Hello and how are you? This is Alice coming to you from Total Health Academy to discuss um, one of the most complicated diseases in the world. There are many complicated diseases like endometriosis and multiple sclerosis is another one. So that's what we're going to discuss today, multiple sclerosis. So about 1 million people in the U.S. are affected by this disease. We usually we call it MS. So MS starts for multiple sclerosis. So sometimes you hear me use MS and sometimes you hear me use multiple sclerosis. I'm talking about the same thing. So 1 million people in the U.S. are affected. About 2.8 million people in the world are affected by MS. So what is MS? So MS is a potentially disabling disease of the brain and the spinal cord. So that makes up the central nervous system. So this disease kind of affects um, the way communication goes between the brain and the spinal cord. And if that those two are affected, if the central nervous system is affected, it's going to go on to affect many other peripheral nervous system. Many other functions in the body will be affected because this is like the central highway, you know, to every other part of the body. Uh, in multiple sclerosis, um, the immune system, your immune system that is supposed to protect you is the one that's causing all the problems. So it's attacking. It kind of attacks the... Um, the protective lining is a fatty layer that covers the nerves. So it attacks that. It's called the myelin sheath and it's made up of fatty tissue or fat cells. And um, it's like insulation, you know, uh, when we look at um, electrical cable wires, they have insulation. They are covered by insulation so that electricity can pass on smoothly. So this is the same thing that's happening in the body. That protective coating is attacked by the immune system and so communication, um, the electrical communication in the body because our bodies are actually electric, that is the power that we use is electromagnetic. It doesn't travel down, up and down properly and it causes problems. It causes a lot of problems. So, one of the things that uh, I'm going to talk about is the signs and symptoms. What causes this problem? Because <laughs> most people struggle with the cause, but we are going to talk about it. So eventually, it causes disabling symptoms. You know, uh, some people have um, a disease that comes and goes. That, that one, and we're going to talk about it. Other people... Once they are affected by this disease, they have a progressive um, disabling effect of their limbs, of their body parts. And other people start with that, the, the, the one that comes and goes. And then eventually, the, the disability builds up and they end up being disabled. So multiple sclerosis, the signs and symptoms of multiple sclerosis do not affect, people don't have the same symptoms, even though they have the same disease, but the symptoms fall between people. And so some people have, may have a mild case, other people get severe 
um, attacks. So some people with um, MS, they may lose ability to walk independently or ablate at all, while other people may have those kind of attacks, but then it emits and all the symptoms are completely gone until the next attack. So some of the common signs and symptoms of this uh, disease is numbness and, and weakness. And most of the time, the numbness and weakness will happen on one side of the body. So it might affect one side of the leg or one side of the arm, that kind of thing. The numbness and weakness typically occurs on one side, which is I find it interesting because the central nervous system is the one that's being attacked. So if the brain and the spinal cord is being attacked, why would that disease just affect one side of the body? That's kind of confusing, but that's what happens. Uh, some people may get a tingling sensation, like electrical shock sensation in certain um, body parts with certain neck movement. One of the signs, and this is um, a crew that alerts the doctors that maybe somebody may have MS, is called the remit sign. This is um, uh, a sign that sets electrical shock waves with the movement of the neck. Um, if you move your head or your neck in certain ways, you get electrical shock waves. So another thing that this disease causes is lack of coordination and steady gait. When people hold things, they tend to, to drop things. So you might think that somebody has... Um, Somebody is being careless, but really it's lack of coordination that is going on. So they keep dropping things. Um, they fall. And steady gait, you know, causes falls. So people with this condition have to walk carefully and stop multitasking. Do one thing at a time because, you know, you don't want to fall and you don't want to drop things because things can fall and break and cause injury. So... You don't want that. So, like I said, um, one part of the body may be affected. This disease also affects um, fission. It causes fission loss. And most of the time, it will usually be on one side. So, <laughs> it, it might cause fission loss in one eye. It might cause people to have double vision. And normally, it will affect one side at a time. Um... It also causes fatigue. Fatigue is um, the spinning sensation, which is triggered with certain head movements. And this is because the vestibular nerve, you know, inside your inner ear, which controls balance, is affected. So if you move your head too quickly, you can get fatigue, which is a spinning sensation. And most people feel dizzy with that. Um, other problems... Uh, other signs and symptoms, common signs and symptoms, is um, problems with uh, sexual problems, bowel and bladder function, and sexual function. Fatigue, slurred speech, cognitive problems, almost like dementia kind of problems, where people have trouble remembering things, uh, trouble finding words, those kind of things. And also mood disturbances, um, depression, anxiety, 
those kind of things. So I'm just kind of covering the basics of multiple sclerosis. I'm sure there are many different uh, signs and symptoms that affect um, people different ways, but uh, I'm just covering the basics. So I'm covering um, what areas are affected by this disease, which is the brain, the central nervous system, the optic nerve, and the vestibular nerve. So with those three, four, um, th that's where the signs and symptoms are coming from. That is where the numbness, the weakness, the tingling sensation, the electrical short wave, um, shock waves, um, the imbalances, the problem with the eyes is coming because those nerves are affected. So the brain, the optic nerve, uh, the vestibular nerve, and the spinal cord. And like I said, the insulation of those nerves is the one that is affected by the immune system. The one immune system that is supposed to protect you, it is the one that is um, kind of attacking, attacking you. So when this covering is, is affected, the nerve conduction is affected. It can be slowed down or blocked. So communication is either slowed down or blocked. So what exactly, and I should have said this at the beginning of the podcast, what exactly does multiple sclerosis mean? So sclerosis, I think it's a Greek or an Italian term. I did not check on that. But what it means, it means multiple scars. So what's happening when the nerve, the insulation of the nerve, is affected. The immune system is the one that's affecting it, but during remission, it tries to heal it. So it, it kind of forms like multiple scars. And you can imagine, scar tissue doesn't work as good as our normal original skin. When you have a scar tissue, it might not stretch like it's supposed to. So that's what's going on inside the body. Now, when should one see the doctor? Most people with MS have a relapsing limiting disease. That is the one that comes and goes. So when, when the attack happens, most people will know that something is wrong and they will go see the doctor. Uh, you have to be an advocate for yourself. If you're having any of the symptoms that I'm talking about, insist on getting an MRI because sometimes this, there is no specific test for this disease. And um, it's kind of hard, you know, because the symptoms kind of mimic other things. The tingling sensation, that kind of mimics like B12 deficiency or vitamin D deficiency. And so insist on getting an MRI. MRIs are very, very expensive. So discuss that with your doctor. But it is, um, it's not easy to do the diagnosis. So symptoms after the, little, uh, after the attack, they can improve partially and sometimes they can completely go away. But never ignore any attack. If you get better within a couple of days, maybe a week or so, don't just assume everything is okay because this might happen again. So relapses are kind of followed by a quiet period of remission. And this may last months. Sometimes it could even last years. But, you know, just check with the doctor. When, you, when some people get overheated, say they are exercising and they get too hot, 
they might feel like the symptoms are coming back. So this is called, it's a temporarily worsening of signs and symptoms of this disease. Uh, and it's called a pseudo relapse. So it's not a complete relapse of the disease, but when people cool down, you go to a shaded place or a, a cool place, um, those symptoms kind of disappear. At least 20 to 40% of the people with this disease, they will have uh, the 20 to 40% of people who have relapsing lemating MS, which is the most common type of MS, um, will eventually develop, eventually, that is 20 to 40%, will eventually develop a progressive um, disease where uh, disability builds on disability and eventually, you know, without remission. So that is only 20 to 40%. But 40% is pretty high. That's almost um, 50%. So, and this usually happens within 10 to 20 years of diagnosis. Um, when this happens, this condition is called secondary progressive MS. It's really confusing. <laughs> it's really confusing, but I will try my best to... Um, to, to dissect this further so you can understand. So the worsening of the symptoms usually include problems with mobility and gait. So it's, it, it gets uh, compounded and the disability worsens. So, um, so secondary progressive MS. So 20 to 40% of people with uh, relapsing limiting can be affected. There is another group of people who once they get the symptoms, there is a steady progression of disabling symptoms without relapse. And this is known as primary progressive MS. Are you confused yet? <laughs> I know that's confusing, um, but I'm going to explain in just a little bit what all that means. So this is a very complicated disease. Like I had to try or the whole of yesterday, I was studying it so I can make this podcast. So the symptoms, relapse usually, the relapse happens within 24 hours. The symptoms will come and they'll be present for 24 to 48 hours. And then they, they may last a few days to a few weeks and then they improve. And sometimes the improvement will be either 80% or 100% where you don't have any symptoms at all. So that's interesting in itself. So let me dissect the different types of MS because there are three major types of MS. So the first one, which is the most common, is the relapsing limiting MS, which the symptoms come and go. This one affects 80% of people who have MS. The primary progressive, which when the symptoms come, there is no relapse, they just progressively get worse. This one affects 10 to 15% of the people. Now, the secondary progression, most people with the, the relapsing type, relapsing limiting type, the 85% population who have, you know, this disease, which is the most common, um, 20 to 40% of those people will end up getting secondary progressive MS. I hope I have not confused you so far. 
Well, let's move on. Risk factors for this disease. The list is very long, but I'll try to go through it really quickly. What do risk factors mean? Risk factors mean that there are certain conditions that put you at an increased risk of getting multiple sclerosis. One of the risk factors they have mentioned is actually age, which, which I, don't, I don't think age by itself is a risk factor, but that it has been put there. So most people get diagnosed with this disease in their 20s or between 20s and 40s. But people of any age can be diagnosed with this risk factor. So to me, age is really not a risk factor because age by itself is not a risk factor. But like you can see, people in between the ages of 20 to 40 may allowed there. They may be diagnosed with this disease. However, we do have children with this disease and we do have older people who get diagnosed for the first time with this disease. But I guess the population that get diagnosed in those uh, out of the ages of 20 to 40 is not as great. I guess that's why, you know, they have age as a risk factor, but I will not even put that there. Sex is another risk factor. Sex by itself, and when I talk about sex, I mean men and women, sex by itself really should not put anyone at risk. But what they have seen is that this disease affects women two to three times more likely. They are more likely to get this disease than men, which is true. Almost... I don't think I know any men with this disease so far. And I'm sure there are men out there, but I don't know any. I've never met any, but I've met women with this disease. Family history. Now, this one is um, a true risk factor. If one has a parent or a sibling with this disease, that puts you at a higher risk of developing this disease. That one is true. That's a risk, a true risk factor. Certain infections can also put you at risk for getting this disease and um, the infections that they found to be common or related to this disease is Epstein-Barr virus. You know, the virus that causes infectious mononucleosis. So anyway, uh, if you're getting infections from viruses, it, it just means that your immune system is not as strong but I guess they can put that as a risk factor. Yeah, if you're getting, uh, you know, some of these uh, viral conditions and it gets worse, all of us can get a viral infection. But if the infection is really severe, it, it means that your immune system is not strong enough, it's not able to fight the infection. You know, like we saw in COVID, you know, COVID is still allowed. Some people who got it did not have any symptoms. Other people had mild symptoms. Other people had severe symptoms. It, that is just a difference of how well the immune system is working. So smoking is a risk factor. That one is listed there. And I'm, I have to agree that smoking is a risk factor for this disease. But because um, smoking kind of weakens your immune system. Um, and you're not going to be able to fight this disease. So most people who smoke, they end up relapsing more often. They have to take medication, and usually they end up with a disabling kind. So if you smoke, this should be a motivation to stop smoking. But smoking 
is uh, is actually a symptom of something much deeper. And I usually discuss that with people when I do a deep dive into the root cause of the disease. That's where I discuss that because I need people to know why they feel that they have to smoke, even when they've been told that smoking kind of puts you at risk for so many other issues like lung cancer, um, even when we discuss Crohn's disease, we found that people who smoke and have Crohn's disease, they have more relapses, they have severe symptoms, and they have to be on medication all the time. So it, that's no different for MS. So people who smoke, this will be a good time to think seriously about why you smoke. And if you can't figure it out, I already know what the root cause is. So feel free to get in touch with me. Um, race is another thing. And this one is a true, um, is a true risk factor. Uh, white folk, particularly those of Northern European descent, are at highest risk of getting this disease. I remember the first time I got introduced to this disease. I was actually young, uh, and I was reading a novel, and the main character in the novel had this disease. I was still in Africa then. I had never ever heard of this disease in Africa. I did not know anyone. I still don't know anyone with this disease in Africa. Maybe they're there, but I still don't know anyone. But in America, obviously, I know many people. Um, now, having said that, the statistics show that people of Asian descent, African descent, Native Americans have the lowest risk. But there's another study that just came out, and they said that recent studies suggest that um, the number of black people and Hispanic people, especially young people with multiple sclerosis, may be greater than previously thought. So this number may be increasing. So just like we saw in Clone's disease, um, you know, the number is increasing among black folk. Um, vitamin D deficiency, that is uh, a true risk factor. If somebody is having vitamin D deficiency, something else is going on on the inside. Um, usually they, they kind of connect vitamin D with sunlight associated, um, with sunlight because our bodies can make, when we are exposed to sunlight, our bodies can make vitamin D naturally. So think about maybe... Uh, the kind of job that you do, do you get to go out, you know, often? Do you walk in, in, when the sun is up? Do you walk at night? Do you walk indoors where you never get to go outside during the day? Think about those things. Um, vitamin D deficiency can put you at an increased risk, I think, with um, most inflammatory conditions. Uh, vitamin D is part of the immune system and our bodies can make it naturally. So talking about vitamin D, climate is another risk factor. So they found out that MS is far more common in countries with temperate climates. That's North America, that's Canada and US, New Zealand, especially the southern states of Australia and Europe as a whole. So those are temperate countries where they have winters and, you know, people don't get to go out, <laughs> you know, during the summer, some people are working indoors, so the, you're not exposed to the sun. 
Um, in the winter months, obviously the sun is not that strong, so people tend to have vitamin D deficiency, and that is will put you at risk for so many other problems. Um, so think about that. Get your vitamin D checked, and just know that your body can make it naturally. So your bath month. I thought this was interesting that your bath month could be increased. I thought it's weird. Uh, people who are born a certain month, they are at risk for this disease. And uh, the research suggested that maybe when your mom was pregnant, she never went out in the sun. So if you are born a certain month, I don't think, personally, I don't think that's the case. I think something else is causing it, but I, I thought bath month you know that's interesting but I, I i can discuss that with you at the deep dive when we talk about the root causes we'll definitely touch on that so if you're gonna get in touch with me put that in your notes question and ask me about the bath month why would be the bath month be a risk factor for this disease so okay genetics so genes they have actually isolated Chromosome 6P21 is associated with multiple sclerosis. Uh, we can discuss about genetics, and that's true. If they have isolated it, and they, it, it is definitely connected to your genes, um, we can discuss that at uh, Deep Dive. Because genetic mutation can be fixed, but you have to know how. So we are still talking about risk factors. I told you the, li uh, the list is long. Obesity is another, is another risk factor. Uh, obesity is associated with more relapses, more severe disease than those who are not obese. This might be true. However, personally, the people that I know with this disease, they are not obese. The majority of them are actually average weight or very, very skinny. So, but uh, if it is true that obesity causes more relapses and severe disease, obesity is a symptom of something else. And obesity is actually one of the easiest things to take care of. Once you figure out what's causing the obesity, is it that you're not eating right? then we talk about why you're not eating right because everything is a symptom of something deeper. If you're eating healthy and you're still obese, then something else is going on. Your liver is probably overworking and we can talk about that in the deep dive. Uh, certain autoimmune diseases are risk factors for this disease and I have to agree that that might be true. You, uh, you have a higher or a stricter a slightly higher risk of developing multiple sclerosis if you have other autoimmune disorders. Those will be thyroid disease like Graves disease, pernicious anemia, psoriasis, type 1 diabetes, inflammatory bowel disease that will be Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. This is because these are all autoimmune diseases. You know, your immune system is attacking healthy body cells. Most doctors will tell you that the immune system is making a mistake, but is that the truth? Oh, well, we can talk about that at uh, another time. Complications of multiple sclerosis. People, most people with MS will develop muscle stiffness, muscle spasms, severe weakness, severe paralysis, sometimes typically in the legs, 
problem with bladder control, bowel control, and sexual functions. Cognitive problems like forgetfulness, difficulty finding the right words, sort of like a type of dementia. And you know, there are five progressive dementias, and there is about 80 different other types of dementias. So that's what you're looking, but that's because the brain is attacked. You know, that's why all that is happening. Um, mood problems such as depression, anxiety, mood swings. This is another clue as to the root cause of this disease. So that those are, now we are discussing complications. There is another complication, and this is a huge clue. What the root cause is seizure disorder. Even though this is rare, it can happen. And um, they say... Um, what did they say? I will discuss that at you at uh, the deep dive, why seizure disorder. But this is because electricity is is uh, is um is dysfunctional in the brain. So that that's how seizures work. There is problems with electricity. Like I said, our bodies are electric. So, but they say that less than three percent of people with multiple sclerosis have seizures. About 2 to 5% of those with MS are thought to have active seizures. So if seizures is part of your disease process, um, that is a direct clue where the cause is. But we can talk about that at the deep dive. Diagnosis of this disease. Like I mentioned before, there is no specific test for MS. So... Diagnosis of multiple sclerosis really lies on ruling out other uh, diseases that have similar signs and symptoms. And we call those other di diseases differential diagnosis. So we have to rule them out. But your, your doctor can talk with you about that. Normally, the doctor may do a blood test to look for vitamin deficiencies, you know, B12, vitamin D, pernicious anemia, um, they might also recommend doing a spinal tab, which is a rumbar puncture, to test the cerebrospinal fluid. Uh, we are testing it for antibodies that could be attacking your spinal cord, abnormalities with, um, you know, and rule out other infections. Uh, there's a new test that they have developed. This is called Kappa-Free Light Chains. I know Mayo Clinic does this, and I know that it's not a very common test, but it can be done, and hopefully this can shorten the the time um, that it requires to do a diagnosis. It's also a little bit less intrusive, a little bit less expensive than doing a spinal tap. A spinal tap, you have to be in the hospital. You ha it has to be done under anesthesia, and there are complications involved with it. Now, MRI... This one I definitely recommend because with MRI, they can see the brain lesions. Um, they can also do an MRI of the brain, the cervical spine, and the thoracic spine. To, um, if they do it with contrast, they might be able to see the lesions. Um, there is another test that could be done. It's called evoked potential test. And this is where they record the electrical signals, how, how well electrical signals are able to travel through the, the nerves after a visual response or an electrical stimuli. Your doctor can explain that. 
So diagnosis can be difficult with people with unusual symptoms or progressive disease, but hopefully with uh, the antibody testing and MRI, this process can be shortened. Now I have to caution you about MRI. So MRI, they say about, what is the percentage? 95% of people over the age of 40 will have an abnormal MRI. How about that? I did not even know that myself. So if you get an abnormal MRI, do not panic. Just know that if the brain actually is neuroplastic and the brain can change. So I just needed you to know that. Now let's talk about treatment very quickly and then we'll go to the root cause, which is my favorite topic. The bad news about treatment is that there is no cure. I know, that's terrible uh, that we, we don't have a cure for this disease. The good news is there are many treatments that can help speed up recovery and um, treat any attacks and you know get you to remission. So mod modifying the cause of the disease and managing symptoms is the focus of most treatment. So treatment focuses on speeding up the recovery from the attack, uh, from the immune system attack and slowing the progression of this disease. So managing the symptoms. People who have mild symptoms do not need treatment. But if you have mild symptoms of this disease, I would encourage you, highly encourage you to get in touch with me so you can actually get rid of it. It is not okay to live with a chronic disease, even if you have mild symptoms that probably don't require treatment and probably are not bothersome, get rid of this disease. And there is a way to do it. Um, but now, if you do need treatment, Discuss that with your doctor because um, there is a lot, a lot of medications out there. There is more than 20 different drugs for this disease. But for me, I like to help people find the underlying root cause. That's why I like to do a deep dive, but I do one-on-one -on -one because I have found out that most people... Uh, this is a level of understanding that's very different. Some people understand it. Some people actually have no clue, and I have to take people individually. Also, your stories are different, how you came to be diagnosed with this disease. Your personal history, your family history is all different. So I like to do it one-on-one. -on -one. Um, yeah, and get you to healing. So medications. There is no cure, but over 20 different drugs. Now, for the attack of multiple sclerosis, the doctor may prescribe prednisone or a, a different corticosteroid. So this is a steroid medication and it's anti-inflammatory, um, but it does have side effects. What it does, it, it reduces the inflammation. It reduces the attack that the immune system is waging on your central nervous system. Um, side effects, it causes insomnia, Increased blood pressure, increased blood sugar, mood swings. Remember now, the disease can cause mood swings, but now you're taking a medication that can add to the mood swings. It also causes fluid retention, so and it can be given by mouth or intravenously. If you find yourself getting this drug intravenously, that means your symptoms are very, they're severe. Plasma exchange 
this is called plasmophoresis and your doctor can actually explain this it works the same way as dialysis works um so they do a plasma exchange usually this is done when the disease is very severe the symptoms are severe and they are not responding to steroids or other drugs so they might do plasmophoresis uh, other treatments to prevent um you know, progression of this disease. They are called disease-modifying therapies or drugs. And there are many. There are actually many, but I have looked at all of them. And some of them, I can tell you about, let me see, about one, two, three, four, five. About five of them do the same similar thing. They just have different names. Um about other three do another thing we are talking about uh, immune modifying drugs immune modulating drugs disease modifying drugs it's the same thing some of them are multi-clonal antibodies mon or monoclonal antibodies not multi but monoclonal antibodies others um modify the b cells and the t cells so it's a lot it's a lot going on, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce these drugs because they are complicated. They have complicated names. They are not very common uh, drugs because, obviously, we only have like a million people in the U.S. with this disease, and worldwide, we only have 2.8 million. But even those, even though it's not a, a big number of people, this is a disabling disease anyway. So we have to look at it carefully. So aggressive treatment with medication is recommended at uh, the beginning of uh, an attack so it can lower the rate of um, attack, reduce inflammation, slow down the formation of new lesions, and potentially reduce the risk of brain atrophy. Because, you know, brain atrophy is the underlying root cause of many dementias and also reduce disability accumulation. However... Many of these disease-modifying therapies used to treat MS carry a significant, and when I talk about significant, it's really a serious health risk because they are modifying, they are trying to manipulate the immune system. And remember, the immune system is your, um, how can I call it? It's like the military uh, defense team that protects a country. So your immune system is the defense team that protects your body. So trying to manipulate that will put you at risk for many other problems. So discuss the risk factors with your doctor and see what you need to do. Discuss the duration of the treatment, severity of your disease, effectiveness of previous treatments, other health issues, the cost because these drugs are extremely expensive. And also your child-bearing status. Because this drug affects people when they are young, in their 20s. If you're planning on having babies, you have to... When you're taking this drug, you cannot be pregnant. Because um, they can cause congenital problems with the baby. And most people have to use uh, contraceptive for even up to two years after they have used some of these drugs. So this is not something to take lightly. Uh, discuss, please discuss this with your doctor. So some of the disease-modifying drugs are interferons, 
interferon is is a is actually a protein that our body naturally makes but if your immune system is not working properly or if it's attacking you well then we have to suppress suppress you know the immune system so some of these drugs suppress the T cells some of them suppress the B cells the B cells are the ones that make the antibodies um and so the, the, this is the adaptive immune system I call the adaptive immune system the heavy hitters. So because they are the ones that are attacking your your spinal cord and your brain, we try to suppress it. But when we do that, we put you at risk for other diseases. If you get an infection, say COVID, your immune system is not going to be able to fight a new disease or another infection. So, because it's already weakened. So, I mean, discuss the drugs with your doctor, but I have looked at all of them. And they make me sad. They do. So, other lifestyle changes. Let me talk about lifestyle changes. Get plenty of rest. Exercise when you can. Cool down. Don't overheat. Um, Eat a balanced diet. But, you know... A balanced diet. This disease is not caused by food. <laughs> so, but you know, eating a balanced diet is always a good idea. But it is not caused by food. Because I have seen people who think that if they don't eat certain foods, this disease will get better. The, the, this is not connected to food at all. So, eat a healthy, balanced diet. Fruits and vegetables, whole foods. Um, and, and don't stress about it, but definitely reduce stress. <laughs> don't stress about the diet and reduce stress in your life. I have done a really nice podcast on stress, what it is, because stress is not something you can hold with your hands. It's a feeling. And uh, if you need to know how to deal with stress, I can actually show you. There are some things that we do wrong that cause stress. You know, this is a lifestyle thing so stress may may trigger an attack or worsen your symptoms so definitely reduce stress go listen to that podcast if you have any issues reducing stress um get in touch with me there's a lot of stuff that the medical industry is doing about stuff alternative therapies and i'm not even gonna mention any of them the only thing i can tell you is um there's about Eight things they recommend which will put you in more trouble than you already are. So be careful with alternative therapies. And if you need to know what they are, uh, get, get back to me. I have information on what they are. The only one I can tell you is definitely exercise, rest, reduce stress. But there's a tricky part, the way people reduce stress. Sometimes they might recommend some things that are not good for you uh eat a balanced diet and also get a lot of sun exposure you know sunlight whenever you can don't overheat but definitely get out in the sun go exercise in the sun meanwhile the scientists are hard at work trying to expand our understanding of this disease uh, developing new treatments and new medications. So far, we have over 20 different treatments, drugs, 
Some of them are infusions, some of them are injectables, some of them um pills and but no cure. That's because they they really let's talk about cure. <laughs> let's talk about cure. Let's talk about the cause of this disease. And this is where the problem is. So living with a, a chronic illness can be difficult. And according to the medical industry, the cause of multiple sclerosis is unknown. Okay, let me, let me repeat that. According to the medical industry and the scientists, the cause of multiple sclerosis is unknown. So if they're trying to expand our understanding of this disease, making new drugs, shouldn't we really look at what is the cause? Because that's the only way we're going to be able to overcome. So, but they have a few suggestions, which I actually like. And this is, this is why I love science. Because it helps me understand some things. But they do not know what causes it. But they suspect a few things, which I think they are right on the money. It is considered an, an immune-mediated disease in which the body's immune system attacks its own tissue, which is true. So this is this, this it's a civil war going on in your body. You know, when the immune system, which is supposed to, to protect you, is attacking you, it's a civil war. So we need to know what's causing this war inside your body. And I actually can help you with that. that that's what I'm here for. That is my gift to you. So in the case of MS, the immune system malfunctions and it attacks and destroys the fatty layer. Remember the fatty layer that I told you coats the nerve fibers in the brain and the spinal cord, the myelin sheath, uh, the myelin sheath. That's the one that attacks. So the biggest question is, this is the million dollar question. Why is the immune system misbehaving and doing this? So some doctors will tell you that the immune system is making a mistake. And this is where I disagree. Most scientists and most doctors will tell you the immune system is making a mistake. And I'm here to tell you that the immune system never makes mistakes. It doesn't. A malfunction, but it's, and it looks like a malfunction, and it looks like it's making a mistake from the physical perspective, but the immune system is incapable. You hear me? It is incapable of making mistakes. There's a reason why it's doing this. And that reason is the root cause of this disease. And that reason, we can talk about that at the deep dive. This is where there is misunderstanding, there is missing information, and I can help you with that. Uh, I can tell you right now that the immune system, it, it does not make mistakes. When you see the immune system behaving a certain way, there's a reason why it's doing that. It could, because the immune system follows, it's immune and it follows immutable laws that it, can, it absolutely cannot make a mistake. Um, there's a reason why it does what it does. It does. Um, so anyway, I want to leave you with that and give you the good news that if you want to do a deep dive with me, I can help you in that area. And obviously, I want to hear your story. I want to understand how you've been dealing with the disease, what age you were diagnosed, if you have other medical issues about your family history. 
and then I'll be able to quickly. I I already have an idea what the problem is, but I do not know your story, and that is the part that I don't have. So the good news is this: once the root cause is addressed, you can actually heal completely. You hear me? That's the good news. Once the root cause is uh, addressed, you can heal from this disease completely. All right. So I hope I have said something that can help you. I hope I've given you hope. That's what I'm here to do. You know, give people hope and, and give you encouragement. But but it's not just pies in the sky. I actually uh, can help you with this disease. Anyway, how can you get in touch with me? Okay. my You can try to get in touch with me on my um, email. This is totalhealthglobal1962 at gmail.com. totalhealthglobal1962 at gmail.com. Or you can use my old email, which is alicemonua at hotmail.com. Alice is spelled A-L-I-C-E. Monua is spelled M-U-N-Y-U-A. No dashes, no dots, just one full combined name at hotmail.com. But the best way to get a hold of me is actually on Facebook. Just inbox me. I'm going to post, eventually I'm going to post this podcast on Facebook. Uh, Inbox me if you need to get in touch with me. I do check my emails once a week. But I do check my Facebook every single day. If you're listening to this podcast on WhatsApp, you probably already have my number. So feel free to inbox me and God bless you.